Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome to the Impactful Parent today. I'm really glad that you're here. Today's recording is done on Clubhouse. What's Clubhouse? Clubhouse is a free app that you can download and you can join me where I host rooms every week on different parenting topics. And this recording has three guest speakers. The first one is Rodrigo Bravo. He's a mediator in the state of Texas. He does co-mediation and specializes in co-parenting. The second is Dolly Rivera. She is a bully coach, so she does bullying awareness and bully prevention. And lastly, I have Jessica Marie. Jessica Marie is a spiritual worker. She's a full spectrum doula, and she supports her clients with fertility, birth, postpartum, abortion, miscarriage, anything in that realm. And Jessica does a lot of uh, natural homopathic uh, type remedies in, in addition to her expertise in sexual awareness. I'm really glad that you're here today because you don't need to dread the sex talk. And as we're going to break down this episode into three parts where we're going to be teaching you how to talk to your children at different ages of development. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the show. How I'd like to uh, break down the room today as we get going on this topic of the sex talk and how and when we talk to kids is start with the uh, the when and then go into the the how. So to kind of start at the younger ages actually and start working our way up to teenagers. Um, and so maybe doing it into three parts, if that's okay with Jessica. Um, maybe start with, you know, six, age six and under, and then the tween years, and then the uh, adolescent, more teenage years after that. Um, so because, and I know some of you might be like, whoa, wait a second, we're starting with under the age of six? Yeah, we really, really are starting with under the age of six. That's really when, um, in from what I know and from what my practices, like that's really when you do start beginning is under the age of six. So if that's our when, let's talk about our how. You got a young kid and um, I'm going to let Jessica lead this part a little bit more than me. But, um, you know, from what I know, you know, when I was when I had my young kids, it was more about, you know, teaching our, our little kids about the correct terms for their genitalia, um, making sure that they they know what's private and what, what they may want to keep private. Like, this is, but it's very simple terms, and we're we're kind of talking to them in, in that in that young age, so that um, so that they understand. So you're you're bringing it down to their level, but it's very simple. It's more about hey, you know this is what your body part is, and and this is we we cover this part up, and that's just kind of what we do. Um, but I want Jessica to, to uh, lead in on that. Um, so if we have a younger child, like the ones that you have in in your own household, Jessica. How do we talk to those kids? I want to kind of start the conversation not so much about sex and the the context of intercourse, but sexuality is so much bigger than that. And for me, growing up, um, I had a mother who was very open as a woman. Like I, 
she walked naked. So nudity is something like my best friends and I, we just grew up seeing that. So it's actually really normal for like my daughters to see that my, my best friend's basically my adopted sister. And so even she was the person who was at my birth. She has seen me in all of my glory and it, there was no shame. And I think that I thank my mother for that because the conversation I remember seeing breasts for the first time and I started drawing them on everything. I was like, breasts are so cool. <laughs> like, wow. And I started drawing them on like all the magazines. And my mom was like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm just drawing. And she's like, are you drawing breasts? And I was like, yes. And she said, that's okay. She's like, do you like, do you like them? And I was like, yeah, they're kind of cool. Because I was so like enamored by the human form and my mom didn't make it sexual. And I think when we think about bodies, we hold on bossy pants. Um, when we think about, uh, bodies, a lot of time we associate it with the sexualization of the human form. So as a artist, I was an art major. I took figure drawing classes. I saw naked people all the time. I've seen it all. I've seen young penises, old penises, young vaginas, old vaginas, like I've seen it all. And so for me, it was never about this is sexual. It's not sexual until you make it sexual. So my daughter is now at the age that they're at. How I approach sexuality is through how do they experience pleasure? And so when I say pleasure, I mean, when they go outside and they see a flower, does that bring them joy? And I asked them, I was like, does that make you happy? And so that's honestly how I start the conversation. Now they're at that age where they're exploring their body parts and they're like, what is this? And so, well, that's your clitoris. And so you can, only you can touch your clitoris and they'll be like, well, what's that? That's your vulva. And it's identifying things. And even though some people are like, that's too young. It's the fact that my mom did that with me and I didn't have sex until I was 22 because my mom talked to me about when I started getting older, which we'll talk about this a little bit later, as I started getting older, because she had conversations around sex. My grandmother also was like this. She was very much the black sheep in her family when it came to this topic. It was something that was so normalized in our household that when I started experiencing like urges at a young age i was i was okay like i wasn't shamed and you know i think that what ends up happening is when we neglect the conversations the foundation of it we have a shaky foundation on anything that means any truth can be their truth and so i'd rather my children have a truth that is solid than not have one at all and then have a bunch of people influencing that truth so for me, it's, you know, I think a lot of times people tend to have the conversation around sex and they're thinking penetration and sex is so much more than that. It's also self-play. It's also penetration. It's also experiencing pleasure, like seeing a flower. Like there is so much that allows us to experience, experience endorphins that release that pleasure that how are we having the conversation around pleasure and pleasurable experiences with our children? How are we displaying that? And then also 
when they start exploring their body parts, how is our response? Because I don't have, I don't have boys. Um, I have friends who have, I have friends who have boys and the minute that their, you know, their penis starts doing its own thing and, or they start exploring that there have, I've had friends where they're like, no, don't do that. And I'm like, eh, it's not the same for them as it is for us. Like when we touch ourselves, it's to experience pleasure. When they touch themselves, it's because they're like, oh, look, I have 10 toes and a penis, if that makes sense. You have to look at it differently and how you respond is really critical at this young age. Uh, for my young boys, because I do have boys, when they started exploring themselves and at that very young age, I made really, really intentional um just efforts not to say don't do that and not to sound like it's a shameful thing when they touch themselves, but more of, oh, I see that you discovered something and I just want you to know that this is a private time and kind of switching that to it's okay, but this is kind of what we do when we're alone um, kind of kind of attitude toward it. I don't know if that's the right way. I'm just telling you how I did it as a, as, as a parent. Uh, to try to encourage my kids and not discourage them, um, not putting these ideas in their mind that it's bad to touch yourself because it's it's not. It's not bad to touch yourself. I was just trying to teach them more of the appropriateness of when is a good time to do that. Um, with my girls, I did need to have a conversation even at that very young age of we don't want to put anything down there. Like you don't, like besides their fingers, and I know that sounds horrible uh, as I say it out loud, but just to warn them that you don't want to to poke anything down there at so young yet. And I had that conversation with my kids and that's not an easy one. None of this is easy, right parents? None of this is easy, <laughs> but I, I wanted them still to know that I didn't want them to stick anything down there that was going to hurt them. Um, so to have those gentle conversations and for them to, but the reaction when you're having that is so critical. I don't know if any of the other moderators had any other experiences with their very young kids and as they started ex exploring sexuality or if anybody from the audience would like to come up and, and ask a Jessica a question um, before we move on to the tween years. But, but yeah, that's kind of where I, I sit. I'll close my mic right now. I have I have a question because this is such a good topic. Um, I have tried to be very open with my two girls since they were little. They're now 14 and 15. And I remember teaching them the appropriate words. And um, a teacher uh, told me, and she was like, oh, your daughter said vagina today. And I was like, okay, well, I'm teaching her, you know, to use the correct terminology and and i remember even telling her it's like actually i'm trying to teach her vulva but everybody refers to it as a vagina um and so she's like okay we just have to check because you know sometimes kids are exposed to so she was pretty much kind of like screening for any type of sexual abuse about like why does this child at four you know say the word vagina which i actually appreciated i know that some parents can take that as an insult or like they can be offended because you know, like, oh, how dare you think that I might have been doing or exposing my child to something that they shouldn't be. So um, my question to Jessica is, do you have any prompts or any type of like, you know, responses that you recommend parents use if a teacher or, you know, like daycare provider comes off that way to a parent? 
I think you, you handled it beautifully. I think that, you know, what is unfortunate is that a lot of people have not had these conversations at a young age. So, uh, for example, like when I got my period, my mom literally said, okay, like you're ovulating now, which means you can get pregnant. So I got my period at 13. You're, you can get pregnant now. If you want to have sex, we need to have a conversation about options. So she actually put the ball in my court. So the, again, this conversation was always happening in our house. A lot of people didn't experience that. So when they see a parent with a child who is very young and understands the word vulva, because my daughter literally is saying, mama, my vulva is itchy because she wants her diaper changed. Or when the parent is approached by a, a health, not a healthcare professional, and a teacher or a daycare assistant, whatever, and they say, oh, we just want to check. I can completely understand. There's, I think, a perfect example. There's a story online that went around where the teacher was saying that her, she, they were talking about cookies and the little girl had said, and trigger warning, because this is going to talk a little bit about sexual assault. Um, so if you can't handle this, I'll give you some time to leave quietly and come back. Um, it's just going to be about a two second story. The little girl had said, oh, my uncle kisses my cookie. And the teacher didn't understand. And then the mother came in and the daughter was complaining about her cookie. And the teacher realized that you can't have this. The teacher realized that she was referring to her vagina and the fact. And so there was clearly a situation of sexual abuse. And the fact that we have normalized the conversations around genitals as cookies and peaches or whatever you want to call it it's incredibly problematic because now it's the opposite. If a child doesn't know their genitalia, a teacher may not necessarily be informed. So I think for me, how I would approach that is like, um, is basically saying like, well, we choose in our home to refer to the genitalia by its appropriate name. And that is to avoid any misunderstanding should there be an instance of sexual abuse. But as of right now, I am the only one who takes care of my child in that instance. So there's no room for concern, you know? I, I love that, Jessica. And I appreciate Dolly for asking that question. And before we move on to the next stage of, you know, talk, having that sex talk, I, I really want to emphasize how important it is to start having these conversations when they're young. And I know there's a lot of talk out there right now about sex with kids, uh, talking about sex with your kids and how to approach that and all this. And folks tend to, uh, you know, sometimes even dramatize that and make it seem to something that it's not. It's not sexualizing sex, it's educating about sex. That's the cr critical component, I believe. You, you need to have these talks about sex with your kids. Obviously they need to be age appropriate, right? But you do need to have start, start talking, these, these, uh, having these conversations because there's two things there. One thing for me, I started talking to my boys about this stuff, you know, fairly young, but it made the conversations in the future that much easier. Okay. There wasn't this kind of, you know, tippy toeing around the issue. There was not a, uh, you know, let's not talk about it, you know, and, you know, close my eyes and hopefully nothing happens. That, that doesn't work y'all. That does not work. So when you have these conversations starting young, it helps having the car, it helps when you have the conversations in the future. It's already been established that, hey, we talk about sex. We, 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 we want our sons, our daughters, our kids uh, to, to be 
comfortable having these conversations. If we wait till it's later on, you haven't established that foundation to even have these conversations. It's really tough to talk about something when you've never talked about it before. You know, and, and I'll leave y'all with this. We always see that 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 funny skit, right, where the parent walks in to the room, right, and he's like, you know, I'll just use like somebody like myself, like the dad walks in and he's like, hey, son, um, so you want to talk about it? you know it's like that you know no one wants that awkward conversation your kids don't want that awkward conversation okay trust me if you start young it's going to make that conversation way easier when y'all are older i'll kick it back over to christina 100% agreed starting early so important and now let's get to our second step where we got these tween years and now these tween years they've already started uh exploring their sexuality. Yes, they've already started. They're looking around. They 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 know their body. They've kind of explored it by now. And uh and puberty kind of is setting in. So their body's beginning to change uh little by little. And so as we go into this conversation, it is a good opportunity to also talk about puberty, or maybe it's when you're talking about puberty, it's also a good opportunity to talk about sex. So, um, but this is now a different ball game. Our kids are a little bit older. They can definitely ask more intelligent questions. So I'll, I'll speak from my personal experience with this age. With this age, when I started, my kids are in here, um, you know, I actually purchased my kids a book. And I go out into the library or the Barnes, actually I go to Barnes and Noble, not the library, because I don't rent a book. I bought, purchase a book. And I find one that I like that really explains things at their age level and has pictures. I want to make sure that there's lots of pictures. And, but it's tasteful. Uh, it's not too babyish because they don't want they don't, kids don't want that either. Um, but it will it answer a lot of their questions if they're too embarrassed to come to me for. And this is kind of one of my impactful parent tips. Um, it's not that I use the book to avoid the conversation because it actually comes with a conversation, but it's more like a supplement to the conversation that I'm beginning to have with my kids at this age. And I have found it wildly successful because it's hard for kids to come and ask you every little thing. And I also have um, two of my four kids are really analytical, thinkers think about that engineering brain where they love to hear like they're just much more of like mathematicians type of brain and the book does them wonders they like that kind of presentation to what you know and, and learning about the anatomy really scientifically to them it spoke to them so i found books like that that really helped them um and it just answered a lot of the questions and gave them that peace of mind. And then if there's anything extra, we could talk about it later. Um, the door is always still open, but there was something about having their own book where they could run to it whenever they were either bored or curious or had a question themselves. And if I was busy, they could still run and go get answers. And it was something that I gave to them so they knew it was okay. It wasn't something they had to hide. Uh, Basically, it just worked. So that's one thing that I did. Um, I want to, Rodrigo, Dolly, do you guys have anything, any particular tips for this age that you would recommend? Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I am a firm believer in educating your kids. That's a great way to let them get that correct education, right? Through the books, books that maybe they even choose, books that you are, that are age appropriate. Because, and I've used this example before, you know, we're, we're kind of raising little emus, E-M-U, right? 
they're either going to be educated, they're going to be miseducated, or they're going to be uneducated. Okay. And it's up to you what they, you choose. You can have them get un, they're uneducated. They don't get any information and they just learn on their own and you don't know what's going on, or they could be miseducated. You know, when they're in this age now, in this age bracket, when we were talking about middle schoolers and, you know, just before high school, this is when they start, you know, getting those feelings. This is when they, you know, they start looking at pictures and they get, you know, whatnot. And their friends are too. And they're going to be talking to their friends. They're going to be talking to, you know, uh, uh, so-and-so. And so-and-so might have something else they want to say. Like, and you, you never know who somebody else's kids their philosophies, their observations, what they're going to influence their kids at. Because when kids are little, they look up to you. As a parent, they are 100% focused on you. You're, you're the biggest influence in their lives. But when you get into that, that middle school years, they start you know, leaning out. They're like, okay, well, my parents said this, but my friends say that. Very critical that you educate them at this point because they're going to have questions. And like Christina said, they're not always going to come to you. You know, they're, they're probably embarrassed, you know, oh my God, what's going on here? What's happening? Uh, uh, oh my God, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know, I, my, my, I felt something, you know, blah, blah, blah. They may not, you know, they're not going to so, so give them some resources. But also, if you've set that foundation, they may even just come to you. They might actually talk to you about it first without you having to approach it and have all that awkwardness. So my tip is definitely talk to them, educate them, get out in front of that conversation, let them know that's an okay conversation. And, and again, don't hold them, uh, uh, don't hold it against them. You know what I'm saying? Just tell them, Hey, we're, we're here to help. You know, the last thing that your kids need to feel is either pressure or discipline or any type of judgment in these conversations. You want to get ahead of that and let them know like, Hey, I'm here for you. Let's talk about it and this and that. They don't, they don't want this, you know, like, yeah, well, you know what, dad, I kind of like this girl and now, you know, I'm thinking about this, this and that. You can tell them all you want. They're still going to do what they're going to do. Honestly, the best thing you could do is tell them, Hey, here's the resources. Here's what may happen. Here's what may not happen. I'm giving you the information. Jessica said it earlier and I'll end right here. Give your kids agency. They, they will make the right decisions. I promise you. The what? What are you teaching your kids at this age? Because I think that there's a lot of parents that don't realize that it's a little bit more mature than they would probably feel comfortable with. I think that at this age, personally, you know, you got to start telling them this is what porn is. Uh, this is what... Um, this is what's going to happen to your body. Like, and it's a little bit more mature than I think people realize at this age. Cause you don't want to tell kids about stuff when it's after it's already happened. You want to tell them about stuff before it happens, but at the level that they'll understand it. So it's really simple. So can you tell us a little bit more about what are you teaching at this age? And I think that that's really important. And if you are uncomfortable with talking to your kids about sex, that's something that you guys need to work through. And I, I say that with love because if you're not comfortable with sex and you're not comfortable talking to your kids about sex, then that's a you issue. That's not a them issue. And so you want to make sure that they have the right kind of agency over their bodies. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a story because I think it's important that we, we do talk about the what. Um, when I was younger, I was about 14, um, I was 13, 14. I had a friend, her name was Shanika and we were best friends and her mother sheltered her very much. Whereas my mother did not. And there was another friend that we had, her name was Kristen and her mom 
didn't talk to her about sex. And she was like the girl who did anything she wanted um, because she could do because her mom, her mom was a hot mess. Like it, it is what it is. Um, her mom was like an addict. And so she kind of just was around different kinds of people. I became really good friends with her and my mom would let her come over whenever because she knew the situation with her mom. There was a person, um, he was 19 and I remember my friend Shanika, she thought he was the most amazing guy in the world. Now, mind you, we're 14, 15. So this is, this is basically what happens when you don't talk to your kids or it can happen. I'll say this, um, this 19 year old who was within our circle had convinced her that if she didn't lose her virginity at a certain age, that she would bleed out. I, of course, had a mother who didn't, in, like, didn't teach me that. She said, one, your hymen can break you doing anything. It could break riding a horse. It could break making a certain pelvic movement. It's not like your hymen is not going to make you bleed to the point where you can't function. And if that's the case, then something else is wrong. So he convinced her that and she ended up losing her virginity to him and she had a pregnancy scare at 14 because her mother never talked to her about sex. Her mother never talked to her about her body parts. They were a very like religious household. They were a very like strict household. And when her mother found out that she was hanging out with me, whom my mother was very like open about that stuff, um, she wasn't allowed to hang out with me anymore. And so... My mom had said, but my daughter's not having sex, right? And she didn't say that to shame her, but she said, maybe you need to have the conversation with your child because now you're in a situation where the guy did predatory behavior and he tried to do it to me and I looked at him and I went to my mother. And so having these conversations around what sex is, what consent is, I think most importantly, talking about what consent is, is really important. So if a child feels pressured, that's not consent. If a child you know, um, is in the middle of sex and they're in the middle of intercourse and they decide, I don't want to do this anymore. That is not consent. They are no longer consenting to it. So it's also teaching responsibility around sex. If you are going to have sex, this is what happens. My niece who is 17, um, you know, she's the closest person that I interact with on a regular basis. Um, she recently had a pregnancy scare and partly because her family is very like religious and they do not talk about sex. Um, and so I had to have that conversation with her about, well, if this is what she's doing, she needs to get on birth control because a 17 year old is not going to track their ovulation. They're horny. That's the reality. So I'm very big on teaching, you know, my, my 17 year old niece, when she comes to me and obviously with permission of her parents, how her body works, how to take charge of it. Cause that's the big thing. And, and I do talk about this when I say womb autonomy, um, cause I speak specifically to womb holders, um, that their biggest agency is understanding their body and how it works and understanding what power they have over their body and then understanding how they want people to interact with that power over their body. And so if they want to have sex with someone, they need to understand their own boundaries. And I am very, my mom, I'm very big on sexual boundaries because my mom normalized that conversation for me. And so at 14 and 15, they're horny. 
They want to touch things. They want people to touch things. They're going to go hang out with their friends. They're going to make out. It's completely normal. Um, And we shouldn't shame our children for feeling that way because their hormones are skyrocketing because it's not something they ever felt. It's like when you have a salted caramel brownie, you've never had one before. And then you get like, you want to eat 10 of them. Like it makes perfect sense. It's just because your body's experiencing this rush that they never had before. And so we need to talk about why their body feels the way that it is, because it is a natural biological response, how to handle that biological response. And then also if they decide to act on that biological response, understanding the responsibility that comes with it. And also teaching that sex is energy exchange. So what you put in your body and who you put into your body is going to have an impact. And that's why a lot of times when teenagers are having sex at a young age, they are going to have a harder time removing themselves from that situation because they are emotionally and energetically linked to them. So every time a woman has an orgasm, She releases endorphins, which releases a chemical bond to that individual. So it doesn't matter if your child is straight or gay, pansexual, non-binary. If they're engaging in sexual acts with someone and they have an orgasm, they will be bonded to that person. So I've also talked about that with my niece, that if she is having sex with a person and she does have an orgasm, this is going to likely have her be bonded to that individual. And so women and womb holders, the way that we re- we have sex, we receive, whereas men release, right? So when they, when they ejaculate, they are releasing, we are receiving, right? We're receiving penetration. So it's the same thing. If that individual is like off energetically and they're a hot fucking mess, like we're going to hold on to that because we receive. And so just on the energetic and spiritual level of womb work, that is why it is also really important that you're not necessarily, you're not teaching your kid don't have sex with so-and-so because you'll get pregnant, but also don't have sex with so-and-so because it can lead to anxiety. It can lead to depression. It can actually lead to PCOS. There's a whole bunch of stuff that can happen because your energy is off with that individual. So I definitely take a more holistic approach when I talk to like teenagers, particularly my niece about this kind of stuff, because it is one of those things where a lot of times parents are approaching it from the standpoint of like, don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and I don't want to be responsible for another baby. And I don't want you to go through that. But then also like, If they do get pregnant, you know, and let's say they decide to go through with an abortion, like that, that conversation as well, how does that impact the womb space and how does that set us up for the future? So in short, sorry for kind of going into all this stuff, but, um, and getting long winded, but in short, I would say like, I want to teach my kids, you know, when they get to that age, what I'm teaching my niece now is that sexual responsibility is having agency over our bodies to know what we will receive if we do engage with an individual. Because if if she, because she's obviously sexually active, so telling her never to have sex is not realistic. But if she is going to engage with another person, she's now very aware and she she's in a relationship and she said like, I'm not having sex with this person because I'm just not ready to receive that kind of energy right now. And that's a far cry from, he treats me like shit, but I love him. 
you know? And so I think a lot of times we need to have the conversation around the impacts of energy exchange when it comes to sex. And then also like, not just the physical biological stuff, because there's also an emotional impact that happens. And it's not just they'll make you sad and you'll hurt. It's actually it could impact your future health. That's so awesome. I love everything you just said there. And just the the explanation of it all. And I think kids at this age, they get that. They understand it, um, especially because they some kids are super intuitive and emotional. And I think they can get that, um, that this exchange of energies. I'd like to now get to uh, our teenage years and make sure that we hit that before our hour is over. And the teenage years. Okay, so now we do have some potentially sexually active kiddos in our house. How do we deal with that? Um, I know Carmen had a question in the chat earlier today about uh, making boundaries with your teenager. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Carmen. Thank you for um, coming up, for being here. Welcome to the stage, Carmen. What's your question? Uh, yeah, I, I feel I'm already in the teenage years. So as we're talking about this, I feel like after you talk about it so confident, we did really oh right with our, our teenagers. But um, one of the situations, even though we had a sexual positive home, that doesn't mean necessarily their partner does. Um, and so we're, we're dealing with situations. My son has a monogamous relationship with a young lady, and they've been together for teenage years. It's a long time. I want to say six months plus. Um, and they are sexually active. And that is all from my son being very open and honest with me and talking to me about it. And we do talk about pleasure um, and it not only being a selfish act, uh, not it not being a selfish act. So we talk about things like that. But but the hang-up is um, we talk about sex safety. But unfortunately, her her home is not a sexually positive home. That being said, my son has expressed, you know, um, just even the fear of contraceptives, of asking for a contraceptive going and even getting it on her own, you know, I've, and it's hard because I'm talking through him to her, you know, I've given her options as to where she can go without even having parents there, you know, the high school has a free clinic, I've given her options, and, I, you know, on occasion I, I run about and I ask my son, how is that going? Um, uh, do you guys mind if I just speak a piece on this? Just for Take it if she isn't going to take the precautions and that's a conversation you need to have with your son about, Hey, like these are the repercussions that can happen because she's not taking care of this. And it may not be the best relationship fit at this time. We'll also say that it's really important to talk to our kids about self pleasure versus relying on somebody to give us pleasure. You don't want to have conversations about you know specific examples like what's going on now because we didn't have those conversations earlier you know and it's very difficult when you've come to a certain point and all that foundation is not there and i think that's really the point that all of us are making but especially like jessica you know when we have these conversations let's start early and then go from there my 15 uh year old she's almost 16. um yeah she's officially dating now and 
her the boyfriend's parents invited us over to their house to to meet one another and it was really nice actually and i <laughs> i remember i was like oh my gosh i never really thought about this what are the rules are we supposed to have this and if i find out that they're sexually active is it my responsibility to tell the parents you know or if or should i ask them hey if you happen to find out that they're sexually active let me know so that i can you know take the uh you know have her like get on birth control or anything like that so those were my questions and you know we haven't gone to that <laughs> yet but i wouldn't be surprised because at this age 15 16 year olds they're curious they do want to have sex i i've told the I, I actually when when the young man came to our home we had a talk and we're like look you guys if you're gonna have sex there's no shame in that if you want to have it. Now, having it is totally different because, um, you know, you're not financially ready to bring a life into this world. Uh, you don't want to ever have to go through all that that chaos that happens when, you know, teen pregnancies happen. Um, but, yeah, so I'm actually entering that, that uh, space of like, okay, my daughter's dating now. So that means eventually maybe i don't know i don't know if it'll be this early maybe much later like jessica you said that you were 22. um and actually i use you as an example i was like look jessica my friend who's the worm they know you as a womb bruja like jessica waited until she was 22. her parents were very open with her so i hope that you kind of you know like do something like that because um sex is something that it's not just like it's not just like about pleasure it's about responsibility how do we approach that right how do we move forward with our conversations right and i can actually give you two examples with my two boys uh, I, i've shared the example with my son my youngest uh, he was actually 16 no 15 15 i think 15 and a half and i had just picked him up from his mom's house and we're driving and i i, I mean i literally have this picture in my head of the exact moment we were on the freeway on the 29610 exchange right underneath the Washington Bridge. That's how seared into my mind that question was when he asked it. And my son said, he goes, hey, dad, uh, I want to ask you something. I said, what's up? And he said, um, I think I want to have sex. I, I looked at him, I said, oh, OK, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, you know, I got a girlfriend and this and that. And, and we talked about it, you know, and, and it was a big old adventure, to be honest with you. I actually took my son to Walmart, literally on the drive back home. We stopped at a Walmart and that itself was a whole laugh. I had a great time joking about it and this and that. But my son, I, I, I told him, hey, here's what's going to happen. Here's what can happen. Did you know that there's other ways to find pleasure? Because like Dolly said, it's, it's pleasurable, right? There's responsibility. But the kids are not thinking about the responsibility. They're really not. They're gonna think about the pleasure. So you gotta, you literally gotta tell them like, hey, there's other things you can do and do this and do that. At the same time, telling them about the responsibility. But at the end of the day, I bought my son the condoms. You know, I, I fully realized, hey, he's gonna have sex. I need my son to be protected. And the most beautiful thing about it was a couple of weeks later, I asked my son, and my and I asked him about, go, hey, so what's up, man? Did you, you know, you, you and your girl, you know? He goes, oh no, dad, no, 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 no. I said, what? He goes, no, 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 he's, she's crazy. I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, man, she got me in trouble, you know, at school. And, and after I started thinking about it, I was like, man, what if, what if we had a baby and I got to deal with her for, you know, forever? 
And so I said, nah, I'm okay. In fact, I broke up with her. I was like, what? My, my son, my son totally in his own, with, with his own decision-making thought that process out. And I told him, Hey man, I'm proud of you, man. Not because I don't want you to have sex, but you came up to the right decision on your own. And I, and I appreciate that, man. Now my, my son did end up having sex that summer. He ended up having sex with like his best girlfriend and they were together and it was, I'm sure it was very romantic or whatever it happened, you know, but he did, you know, but he, he, you know, from what he told me, you know, he, he used protection and they were very, you know, they both were, you know, virgins and they, you know, did their thing, you know what I'm saying? And I'm happy for him. And on the other side was my son, my, my, my oldest. Uh, we've never had to talk. Every time that I've kind of broached the topic, my, my son never really wanted to talk about it. And that was because with his mom, both of my boys have different moms. With his mom, his mom was not open at all the conversation. Uh, and I also think she was a bit intimidated. My, my, my oldest son, he is gay. And I think she didn't really know how to approach that. You know, she's seen things from her perspective. And it wasn't until my son came over one day at my home here in San Antonio. He spent the night, but then he creeped out at night. And, uh, and, and I caught him, right, creeping out, right? And I told him, hey, where are you at? He goes, oh, I'm going to spend the night at a friend's house. And I was like, okay. Came back in the morning, a hot mess. I told him, hey, man, look, I don't give a shit, man. You're 21 years old. You can do whatever you want. You're going to have sex, whatever, you know? But you, you know the risks and all that. He goes, yeah, dad, I know. I said, look, look, I don't know if you know. We've never had this talk. So we're about to have this talk. And of course, my son goes, oh, man, we ended up talking for about three hours. And the, the talk was about love. It was about, how, you know, meeting people. It was about sex. And obviously his, you know, he's, I'm, I'm, I'm heterosexual. He's homosexual. But, but it's the same shit, you know, so it's just different, you know, folks or whatever, but it's the same thing. There's still the same insecurities. There's still the same, you know, what about when I get up and I'm naked and they're going to see me and blah, blah, blah. And what about when you first fell in love, dad and blah, blah, blah. You know, we, we just had a great conversation and my son is very open now about that stuff. So my whole point and my whole thing is sharing is if you're going to talk to your kids, talk to them like people. You know what I'm saying? I, I would not even say to talk to them like kids. Talk to them like people. Talk to them like folks that are wanting to have that conversation. Because the last thing they want is some like authority. The last thing they want is judgment. The last thing they want is for you to tell them like, don't like, like what my dad did. You know, hey, don't go fucking around, all right? You're going to fuck up your future. That didn't do anything for me. <laughs> that, that, literally, you know, that literally led me to have more sex. I'm like, the first time I had sex, or actually, you know, second or third time, whatever. I was like, man, nothing's happening. I'm cool, man. So there I am just doing my thing, right? And my dad in the background is like thinking like, I'm just like this straight edge kid, right? And, and here I am just risking my life away and doing things because I didn't have the right talks. You know, I didn't have that. And, and I'll even say this, my, my, uh, my, my son, my, my oldest, Rodrigo, he was unplanned. You know, he, his mom and I, we were together for a while. And then uh, uh, we were in college and, and she, you know, we, we were pregnant and, you know, I was, you know, go for it. You know, I knew better, but still, you know, those practices were already within me. You know what I'm saying? That that whole kind of not, you know, thinking I'm invincible was already ingrained in me. No, I'm not going to get her pregnant. No, we're fine. No, I'm not going to get an STD. It was already there. So my whole point to wrap all this up, and I apologize for going long, but it was really, I think, important for me to share those two stories is because it starts at home. It starts with the comfort, uh, how comfortable you are having these conversations and why it matters to have these conversations. Because if you don't, 
your kids are going to come up with their own answers. And sometimes those answers are not the right ones. And that's the problem right there. Again, you're not judging them. You're not holding it against them. You're just letting them know, hey, I'm going to give you agency, but you're also going to be accountable for what happens. And this is what may happen. So consider that. And at the end of the day, I'm very proud to say my boys have made the right decision so far, and hopefully they keep that perspective. I hope, hopefully this added a little bit of context to it. Hey, Rodrigo, can I just say I love that you said, and to wrap this all up and put it out there. Did, did you great, catch that? I'm, thank you. Thank you. I you did. See, there's, <laughs> I, I did, did too. There's, 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 um, <laughs> um, I will say too, like if, because hi, I'm gay too, as well. Like I, I love women. I think they're beautiful. Um, I think that that's something too, is like, my, my mom was very much like whoever you fall in love with, because I think the conversation around sex and sexuality is very much like non-binary. It doesn't need to be, unless your child identifies as straight or if they identify as gay, it's very much, and I, I will second that, Rodrigo, love is love. And you're going to feel the same stuff you feel no matter who you're attracted to. And I know that I had a lot of friends growing up um, that I was so afraid. I, I actually recently came out. To, everybody else knew I was gay. I recently came out to my mom. She knew. I think she knew. She just, like, it wasn't something that was like, I'm gay. But um, growing up, I was so afraid because I saw so many of my friends rejected when they would come out because they started having feelings around certain discussions and like here i want to say this too because just as somebody who identifies as pansexual you know there there is this narrative going around um within schools and uh there recently was a law passed in florida i'm not gonna get too much into that it kids are going to start finding language that identifies with them. And it's also really important that we understand that it isn't an agenda and it's not a phase that people, when they, when they're in schools and certain languages discussed, especially around the time where they're hitting puberty, they're able to identify with something. It's the same thing as if they realize they love art or they love theater or they love basketball. It's because they're finding a community in which they fit. And so when it comes to sex and sexuality and having those conversations around sex and sexuality, children are going to be more exploratory at the time because now they're finding communities in which they can fit into and communities that they feel safe in. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best community. If you're teaching your kid you know, what respect is at a young age and all that stuff and how people should treat them. For the most part, they're finding communities that are going to uplift them. But they're also finding language that they've never been able to identify because it may have not been a common language in your house. So for me, you know, pansexuality was not common language in my house. My mom is straight and, but her best friend was gay. And so when I started exploring that, like my first kiss was with a girl and I really cared about her. And the first time that I fell in love, it was with a girl. And I had like relationships, but all of my friends' parents, like they who who were gay, like I was so scared that my mom was gonna do that to me as well. So I just never said it. And obviously now I'm older and I have my kids and I'm like, well, my mom rejects me. She loves my kids too much to really reject me. But my mom has never been that person and she never will be that person. 
Um, and so I was really thankful that we we're able to have like an actual conversation around it. And so it's, I think that we also, as parents, when we talk about sex and sexuality, we do have to take into account that, you know, let's be gentle with when our kids are sharing and they're vulnerable about something. Cause I do appreciate that Rodrigo, like you made a safe space for your son and you approached it in the same way you would your other son. And you know, my daughters may decide one day that they, okay, baby, that they love women or men, or they may be trans. And so my job as a parent is to love them and create a safe space for them to have those conversations so that they're prepared for when they do have a partner. You know, a lot of folks, um, my parents, for example, and other parents that I've spoken to when I do my consultancy, they literally are freaked out by the conversation. And they're like, yo, I'm gonna tell my kid, you know what I'm saying, when he's in freshman or high school, you know, I'm like too late. That's, you know, that's too late. By then they've already learned from other folks. You know, uh, your daughter said they're gonna learn from teachers. They're gonna learn from parents. They're also gonna learn from their friends. You know, so it's really important that as parents, as good parents, that we, you know, get out there in front of it with good education, with good points, solid background, and in a non-judgmental way. You know, we're not here to indict our kids. You know, we definitely want to tell them, hey, there's, you know, hey, sex is, is a responsibility. It's not something you just go around, you know, this and that. But we don't want to indict our kids because that what they'll feel is like, I can't have this conversation with my mom, with my dad. I can't, I can't, you know, wh whatever. They're gonna they're gonna feel like they're there's uh, withdrawn from that. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, kick it off to Christina and uh, our our uh, impactful parent leader here, and just again download the app. She has an app there. It has a lot of resources. Christina is actually the one that started this room here on the Amigos. We've been going strong now for for months. At almost I think we're almost close to a year that we've been doing this room every week except whenever Christina goes on vacation, which is not often enough, I think. But every week we've been holding this room and Stevie, uh, 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 Christina has been doing a great job in just uh, leading these topics, leading these themes. And I just wanted to give her flowers because every time she comes up, she always has great energy, uh, always you know, has a, a great outlook, positive outlook towards parenting. And really, a lot of times, you know, we tackle topics that we may not even be ready to talk about. You know, it's funny, right? We, we have these topics and sometimes even though we are, you know, parenting coaches and so forth, sometimes we don't even know what the answers are. That's why it's so good to have these rooms and share the experiences that we have so we can all kind of pull together our collective knowledge and make sure that we are parenting better than our abuelitas or our moms, our dads, and so forth. So with that said, my name is Rodrigo. I am a co-parenting coach, consultant. I'm also a mediator. I do a whole bunch of things. If you want to connect, feel free to follow me. Feel free to send me a DM. We can link up like that. But with that said, I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to Christina, who will go ahead and close the room and give you all a little bit more information. Thank you all. Thank you everyone for being here today. Again, this is a recording that came from Clubhouse. It's a free app to download and you can join me live every week. You can follow me at the handle, the at the impactful parent, and check out all my free rooms that you can come and literally interact with me, ask questions, and become a part of the conversation. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. 
Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.